Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to the Flowtrack Podcast, flowtrackpodcast at gmail.com. I am Kevin, joined from his brand new podcasting studio in a small town outside Austin, Texas. It is Lincoln Shrike. Good morning, Lincoln. Hey, good morning. I know there's been calls for me to get a desk, and it's been a long time coming. And instead of just a desk, I've assembled an entire uh, structure here. Just kidding. It's my wife's art studio. And we finally got the Wi-Fi at least somewhat figured out. Um, got a space heater rolling. It's kind of cold, but I feel much better positioned. I've gone from the worst podcast setup in mm-hmm. the trio, amongst the trio of us, to, to arguably the best. So I'm feeling pretty happy today. No, not arguably. You went from bronze to gold overnight, and I yeah. commend you on that. I think the only thing missing is you know, maybe if you could put some running theme stuff behind you. I know you want to plug the wife's art 24-7, but <laughs> you know, a temporary picture here and there. Maybe some soundproofing. on the like You could really go all out with, with some stuff on the I walls could. there. I, I could, yeah. Those, those foam uh, mm-hmm. textured the sound soundproofing things I could install those although I don't know if there's room for those amongst the paintings but you know if ever her career falls apart and my podcasting career fully takes off as I anticipate that's exactly what we'll have mm-hmm. to do and I'm just going to have this full studio I may even have to record start recording music out here even though I don't know how to play an mm-hmm. instrument just because <laughs> the setup is so good yeah 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 I think you can throw some stuff on the roof maybe I don't on the ceiling you know, put some stuff up there she's not going to put art there um That's maybe but i don't know what's i don't know what's in front of you right now but you make it look like the whisper rooms back in the uh back in the office mm-hmm. it would be it would be pretty good i i like it man you got you have a very good look there um again from worst to first what a, what a comeback story I mean, for lincoln strike it really yeah i don't know what parallels to to put it on there but uh yeah it's 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 gone from just an unfortunate situation. You know, we've, I, I, I might be the Oklahoma City Thunder right now, like in the future, mm. actually, I should say. So yeah, I had all these draft picks, 
and I finally capitalized on them. And now look where I'm at now. It's just, uh, it's mm -hmm. an incredible story. <laughs> One correction before we get to the show, I seem to have implied yesterday, and I didn't mean to do this, that CJ Albertson didn't yet have the indoor marathon world record when I was bringing up the holy trinity, the triumvirate of records, i.e. the 50K, <laughs> the indoor world record in the marathon, and the treadmill marathon world record. I was saying that to imply that he already had it, and if we would see somebody else ever do that in history. I see. Apparently, I was unclear in my statement, and the person who was able to correct that for us via our inbox, flowtrackpodcast at gmail.com, was C.J. Albertson himself, who wrote us a nice wow. note. That is that is incredible, and I should say a lot of that lack of clarity would have been on me because I had no idea that he held the indoor marathon world record, which, according to this Runner's World article uh, from 2019, two seventeen fifty nine, which is pretty nifty, over two hundred and eleven laps. Um, he also clarified that it's two hundred and eleven laps because I was trying to do math in my head. I knew it was like two hundred eleven. <laughs> I just had forgotten. It's not. I I, mm -hmm. I liked how I portrayed that as some impossible number to to figure out. When in reality, it's kind of just simple math. You know, twenty six mm -hmm. times eight plus a couple. Um, but anyways, uh, it makes sense that he's the indoor marathon world record holder. Um, and I'm sorry I didn't know that, and sorry that I wasn't that I was uh, adding more confusion to what to what you were saying. But yes, I fully think he could break that record this indoor season when and if uh mm -hmm. he gives it another shot and he mentioned that he's you know i think he jokingly said at the end of this um message he said i'll get to working on the around the sofa record lol <laughs> which i i don't want to conflate the lol with the thought that maybe he's not gonna actually do it because i think he could mm -hmm. uh i think he could be quite good at it yeah maybe that's just misdirection for his mm -hmm. opponents so he can scare people off from attempting it uh yeah this is just an all cj albertson podcast at this point we are this is episode this is episode 200 this is our first oh. episode in december and we we've made the full pivot just anything cj mm -hmm. albertson does we're covering for the entire month of well the foreseeable future december january february yeah Right. And I, I know we were concerned that is he going to be rested enough for the marathon project? I mean, I'm now hoping he does something cool in the interim between December 1st now and December 20th. Can we right. get a, uh, I, you know, I mean, we're going to talk about a 24 hour record. Maybe he's not ready for that, but he could do like the mm -hmm. afternoon record or something like that, or the, you know, the mid morning to early afternoon record. I don't know what, what else is out there, but you're right. He's got the, he's got the distance running EGOT right now, uh, mm -hmm. which you called, uh, what'd you call it? The kit? the the 50k indoor and yeah. treadmill i like the kit acronym. yeah it's good yeah yeah the k though i don't know if it works because it's 50k yeah because k, k could be anything k could you know someone could come along and get the the 100k uh do it that way but i as the acronym kit is kit is the strongest of what i could think of what yeah what are you thinking in terms of um like his sofa time. I mean, I speculated yesterday he could probably do it as fast as his indoor record now because now he's pretty serious. <laughs> you know, it depends on how big of a sofa, you know, and how big mm -hmm. of a house or apartment he's got. Um, that, that you know, you would want the biggest sofa possible. Um, that's going to be mm -hmm. a few thousand laps. 
Yeah, I, you know, in all seriousness, I you can't get any momentum going. So, it, you know, I don't know. Could you do it in under four hours? I mean, that mm-hmm. I, I I know we joke that he could try to do it in, in like under 219 or 218, but like you, you can't actually run. So you're mm-hmm. just kind of turning the whole time, um, which the track – 50k suggests he's good at turning but this is a whole different level of of turning mm-hmm. um i i would say four, under four hours would be good but man that would be mm-hmm. awfully tough i looked it up just now as you were talking the current world record holder is actually my son when he was four who ran around our sofa <laughs> screaming for six hours and never ran out of energy it's amazing it is. It favors the young. It's so as a twenty-seven-year-old, mm-hmm. he may be past his prime when it comes to the around the sofa uh, game. You know, mm-hmm. there's also the back and forth in the room game. I know the the, the marathon. I know five-year-olds are often pretty. Four and five-year-olds are pretty good at that. Yeah. Two, um, you know, wailing on the ground. That's a close cousin uh, mm-hmm. of of the indoor the indoor sofa record. But uh, no, I. I doubt he actually tries this in all seriousness, but I would I would be there to <laughs> indulge it if he did. You mentioned before the 24-hour record. I want to talk about this a bit because a big name in ultramarathon running took a crack at it. Killian Journey tried to break the the record that was set back in 1997 by Giannis Kurnos. 188.68 miles covered in 24 hours and Jornet was doing mm-hmm. it on a track, which makes sense because of lighting and fueling needs, perhaps bathroom opportunities as well. You want to make sure you're not too far away. And he made it 11 hours and he covered 83 miles in those 11 hours before having to, to drop out and get medical attention. This record by Kuros, we did the math ahead of time. It's pretty dang impressive. It's it's almost eight miles an hour for twenty four hours. Yeah, and let's run did a post about this, and uh, you know the twenty four hour record is seven thirty seven point uh, nine per mile pace for a full day. So mm-hmm. if you're out there on your three mile run, and that seven thirty seven pace starts to catch up with you you're probably not going to be able to get the 24-hour record. Now, I think a lot of elite runners say 737 pace. I haven't run 737 pace since I was in middle school. That's that's mm-hmm. so slow. I This is an incredible achievement um, from from 1997. I, it's, I, I think part of the reason the record stood so long is no one else is insane enough to to give it a shot. <laughs> now, Jornet was. He was just a... a uh, a close 105 miles away from uh, mm-hmm. snatching this record. Yeah, only made it 11 hours before complaining of chest pains. I don't know if, you know, I, I'm not familiar with the ultra marathon scene. Maybe our guy CJ eventually jumps up there. I don't know. Are there a bunch of people jockeying for this record? Is Jim Walmsley thinking about going for this at some point? I, mm-hmm. I don't know the hierarchy, like, and 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 who does what? So I, I need to educate myself a little bit more because um, when I think of ultra marathon, I think of Walmsley. But maybe he doesn't do 188 mile runs. I I, I don't know. But um, I, I feel like the barrier to this record is just the fact that no one wants to run for a day straight. Um, and I <laughs> applaud Jornet for trying, but uh, 
Yeah, I, I just who wants to try? Who wants this enough? And I I also enjoyed the fact that there was controversy in the sense that of course the the old school of Giannis Koros is throwing throwing dirt on uh, on the fire <laughs> of, of uh, this whole situation as he's he's of course criticizing shoe technology ahead of Jonay's mm. attempt. Um, calls it anti-athletic. Oh, I, uh, wow. I enjoy, I enjoy that this boomer is just joining in the masses to, to try to, uh, dispute anything that happens in 2020. And in the end, he didn't even need to do that. He could have just remained silent and I think looked better because I mean, Nothing made the record look better than an elite ultra marathoner not even making it within a hundred miles of his record. I mean, not even making it within thirteen hours of his record. So, uh, this is this is quite the story. I mean, this may need to mm -hmm. be a, a, uh, a you know we gotta we gotta have these guys on the podcast or something to to go to <laughs> go to war with each other. Um, hopefully, we don't have to have Killian Jornet from his hospital bed. Uh, we can get him fully recovered and out there and. Uh, no, we just do Kuros I, I, versus a shoe. He just he doesn't even need a debate with Jornet. He just argues right. with a right. with an alpha fly. Yeah. Yeah. Um I just didn't know there Coming was up so on much crossfire. beef in the ultra scene. I didn't know there was so much oh. beef with the ultra scene. Oh, of 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 course there is. And I think where we're gonna see these records go down, it's just it's the same thing, I think, to a certain extent as as track and field, the person who's able to bring the speed, which is a crazy thing to say in a twenty four hour race. <laughs> to a to a to a longer distance that's when the records Do we that's when the records start to go down so someone like Walmsley who had you know was a legitimate track runner it makes sense that he goes up to you know ultra distance and and does really really well and then maybe he's going to I don't even know what you would classify this I know it's in the bucket of ultra running but it's it's certainly 188 miles in 24 hours is it a lot different than just running a hundred mile race, which is different than running a marathon, which is obviously different than running a 10 K, et cetera, et cetera. But you could have, I think someone, someone break this record. Once you have more people moving up, you know, having the financial incentive to move up from the shorter distances and pretty much everything mm -hmm. is shorter than this. I think you touched on an interesting point there about the attempt and how much you miss it by because we've covered a lot of world record attempts in this in this business of ours hey someone's going for the mile world record and they miss by a couple seconds or someone's going for a marathon world record and they miss by a couple minutes this one they asked killian jornet hey how'd it go man I, I didn't see your race oh i didn't get it how much did you miss by oh, i was up by 13 hours oh well how many miles <laughs> ah, it's 105 just shank i shanked it left went off by about 105 miles that was it i was feeling good though for the first 10 hours but the the next uh, the next uh, fourteen just weren't feasible for me. No, I. This is insane. This is crazy. This is crazy stuff here. Yeah. Um, obviously, I have to assume he was fitter than just to make it eleven hours. Um, I'm sure he had done some training runs. You know, a half day. Mm -hmm. Hold on, I got to go get out for my half day trainer my training run. My and then I got to do my long run next week. My twenty hour long run. Uh, yeah. I, you know, I feel bad for him. You know, obviously, if he had medical conditions, we don't want to make fun of that. But I think, yeah, there has likely been no world record attempt further away from the actual mark in the history of mankind, uh, be it absurd records, mm -hmm. you know, I, I don't know, twirling plates, 
you know, where people would get all those sticks out and twirl plates. It'd be the equivalent of like getting the Guinness Book of World Record guy out there. You're like, all right, I'm going to twirl 37 plates today. And then you, you drop the first plate immediately. And I mean, that's, that's basically the, the equivalent here. Uh, I, I do feel bad for him, but maybe he'll have another crack. I do also want to say I find it hilarious. And I know 737 pace gets quite fast when you're talking about running all day. But the idea of mechanical doping with shoe technology at running at jogging pace cracks me up. Now, I'm not a scientist, and I'm sure there's science to say that the shoes do do help. But the idea of a guy complaining that uh, carbon fiber plates and foam or whatever is helping someone run 730 pace is absolutely hilarious to me. Um, well, it's all impact, I, right? It's all impact. It's all, it's lessening yeah, impact. Saving your knees, what, whatever. I, I just, once you get to is, halfway, Lincoln, it, it's the, you know, you get around the 60, 70, 80 mile mark and you hit that halfway point <laughs> and you're still feeling, you're still feeling good. That's a huge psychological advantage. That's what I've always said. I'm just, I, it is comical to me that this, technology controversy transcends the track the roads the ultra track and everything in between it's just i mean you could be running you know people are going to be critical of your track spikes when you're running 43 second 400 pace and then they're going to be critical when you're running 730 pace for yeah 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 a full a full day and we should say journey was not even close to the uh to the record pace, pace in his first 11 yeah. hours um he what let's was see he covered he covered the first wait what was i say yeah. no because so in the 83 same period, miles yeah 83 well, miles in 11 that, hours yeah the same period that journey covered uh the 11 hours where he covered the 134.8k Koros had him beat at 149k. So there was incentive to stop even if, you know, he was obviously hurting with chest pains. He uh was well well off. So, you know, it may have been a situation where going the other 13 hours may not have been in his best interest um because he was not going to get it anyways. You said 737 pace? That's according to this Let's Run article. I haven't done okay. the I've not done the math. Well, let's just say, let's just say that's, that's the pace. How long, how long could Elliot Kipchoge run at 737 pace? Right. I mean, that it, it, I understand there's a difference between being able to run, you know, even 40 miles at, at one pace and, and then being able to do it for a full day. I get that. And he wouldn't have any, I, I imagine any interest at that, but I mean, that, that pace is walking for him essentially. Mm -hmm. And so you would like to think someone as mentally strong and as elite at running 437 pace for a full marathon could go three minutes slower per mile and do it until <laughs> the end of time. I, I just, I don't know. I, I, you know, I, I would like to think at this point right now in my life, I, I would get tired, but I could walk all day. If I had the appropriate goose, maybe a sandwich <laughs> on the side, you know, some Gatorade and possibly even a beer just to keep myself interested. I think I could walk all day. Now I would be exhausted and my legs would hurt for three weeks, but that's kind of yeah. what I put it with Elliot Kipchoge. This once in a, in a generation, once in a maybe a lifetime or uh, athlete 
it wouldn't be fun for him, but I think he could run 737 pace for a day. I, I, I have full faith that he could do that. Well, he could take a little break here and there, and then he could right. drop in some six, some 637s to keep himself interested to make up time. I'm going to say some activities. This is lightning round here. I'm going to say some activities, and you're going to tell me if Ilya Kipchoge could do them while running 737 pace. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. Tweeting. That, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely okay. tweeting. Eating a meal that does not involve a fork or a spoon. Of course. Yeah. And I think, I think fork and a spoon can be, can be included if, if we must here, because, uh, uh you know, I, I was going to say cooking a meal too, if we got like a mobile, mobile, like uh skillet or something. Mm -hmm. Uh, could he send <laughs> this is a little bit more difficult than, than, than tweeting. Like, could he film a, a TikTok of some sort? Oh yeah. I think he could edit it too. You know, he could probably get caught up on the trends of TikTok and uh figure out which songs are popular and like make something creative out of it for sure i i think he could start a brand new account and you know easily i you know he could probably get up to a thousand followers within within minutes you know just say hey i'm i'm doing this uh one day record they tell me i'm running 737 pace but i've been walking for 12 hours so i'm not <laughs> sure what's going on <laughs> i've never actually felt 737 pace is this what this is this is my legs are making some weird motion it's not quite walking but i certainly would not describe it as running what is this yeah. what's going on in my lower body yeah i you know i like to think of like i i don't know you know could you go three minutes slower than how long could you go three minutes per mile slower than your marathon pace i mm -hmm. i don't know what my marathon pace is these days it's not very good but you know i'd be talking about running 11 minute per mile pace. I mean, that's just an absolute trot. So for him, it would be even more so because he's way, way, way fitter, obviously than me. So, I mean, he would, yes, he could, I, I would, I would think he could do this right away. Mm -hmm. uh, last one. Could he knit a sweater? Uh, that's tough. I don't want to take too much away from the I'm gonna go with no on that one i lost you there give me the oh, give me the sorry. synopsis again there sorry yes sorry i i actually said no i want to give credit to the ultra athletes um and and say that i don't think elliot kipchoge could knit a sweater during this um mm -hmm. I, I just because i don't know if he's if he's uh a seamstress if, if you will <laughs> i thought you were gonna say you're gonna give credit to the people who knit and you didn't oh. want to give them too much credit there <laughs> I could do that too. I could do that, but but you know, I I, I was we're we're a running podcast, not a uh, not a knitting podcast. So mm -hmm. um, I, I I have to worry more about the running fans, the ultra fans coming after me than the knitting community. So I will say mm -hmm. that I don't think he could he could do that. And plus, you know, what is he gonna have? Is he gonna have a backpack and have a ball of yarn just coming out? You know, pulling out of his backpack. I mean, maybe. Yeah, but, yeah, exactly. Oh, okay, okay. Well, there. So there's also the possibility if you're talking about what can you do with the 737 mile, he also could just stop for two minutes and then knit really quickly That's and then speed up and make up the time. Right. Yeah. I guess it doesn't, you don't have to run continually. He could take like, say a 30 minute break. Now, of course, everyone knows that when you stop, you're tempted to stay stopped. Mm -hmm. Objects in motion tend to stay in motion until, 
acted upon by an equal and op, you know, whatever that is. Um, and I think he would, you know, even he would be succumbed to wanting to sit down if he had been going for 15 hours. But the mini breaks would be helpful just in the sense of if he needs to take care of any, any, you know, duties, if he's minutes ahead, if he just can't, if he can't even move his body that slowly and he needs to run 630 pace and they say, Elliot, you know, you can take some breaks, you're well ahead. I said, okay, mm -hmm. fine. Uh, you know, you know, because you got to use the bathroom, right? I mean, even these, yeah. these best guys, you can't, I mean, how many times you got to go to the bathroom during a 24 hour period? I mean, I'm at like 10 to 15. So I imagine if you're taking as much fluid as these guys are, I don't think you're just going, are you? Yeah. Well, you drink a lot of, you drink a lot of coffee. No, you're stopping. They're stopping to eat. I don't think they're eating on the run. They're definitely doing the gels and stuff on the, on the run, but they're stopping to actually eat food. That's why 737 is so impressive because they're not running for 24 hours. They're, they're out there for 24 hours, but so they're actually running faster than 737 pretty much that's the entire true. time, which is that's crazy. True. That's, a, uh, that's a good point. So Kipchoge, basically, I think his strategy, you run like a 205 marathon, bank 26 <laughs> miles pretty quickly. <laughs> But you'd have to take okay. So how many how many marathons are in 188 miles? They said it's 7.2. Okay. So if he ran seven three-hour marathons, that would get him there, which would that leave so brutal. <laughs> I I guess you could do, but he could do twenty. He could do some two forties and then that would leave him some, some rest yeah. in there. Like he could go mm. seven by marathon in <laughs> two forty with whatever amount of rest that would equal. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Um, now, nah, yeah, I think, I think seven by a marathon, you want to hear the hardest workout of all time. Um, <laughs> seven by a marathon. That's in the third once a runner book. You have to get yeah. the third one. <laughs> That's after his 800 by 20 by, by 400 workout. Um, yeah. <clears throat> uh, I, I say he gets, yeah, I, I'd say he gets this done. Yeah. Well, it's just so weird because people try to figure out what they could do. And it's, it's not even like it's a different event. It's a different sport entirely uh, than, yeah. than, you know, running a marathon, certainly running anything on the, on the track. It's just entirely different level of endeavor. Okay, you had your eyes on this this Flagstaff story here about runners going to Flagstaff to train during the pandemic. Um, do you want to report on the reporting that you've read here? Tell us what's going on. <laughs> you know, I do. Um, we had heard rumors throughout the years, pre-pandemic, of athletes going to Flagstaff and it's very thin air and uh, fitness friendly uh, location and community that uh, some college athletes not from Flagstaff were just going there and taking online classes mm -hmm. just to take advantage of altitude training throughout the entire year leading up to big competitions. Well, oh, we lost you again, Lincoln. The internet not as good Sorry. in Lincoln Shed as we thought. We got to get the double Sorry. booster. Can we? You spent eight I'm grand trying. on the shed. Can we? Can we get? Can yeah. we spend eighty dollars more on the internet? Can we do that? Can we <laughs> expense that. 
Well, yeah, I'll, I'll try that after this. Hey, this is day one. We're getting the rust off. Um, I'm just, yeah. I'm just, this is my first 24 hour record attempt. I'm only probably going to make it 11 hours. Uh, Are you going to so, podcast for 24 hours straight? Could you do that? That, that would be, I mean, I need a lot of coffee to do that. Um, and uh, okay. So yeah, as I was saying, we've heard of a lot of athletes mm -hmm. previously, not a lot, but some athletes pre pandemic taking online classes and training in Flagstaff with, you know, was dubiously uh, legal as far as the NCAA, whatever have you. But the pandemic has provided athletes now with everyone, a lot of people taking online classes. Well, now right. everyone can just go full, full, full bore if they want to and, and head to Flagstaff. And this article by AZ Big Media, never heard of it, but, you know, they're coming with the big heavy running reports. And I got to say, I love their stock image. I, if anyone wants to check out this article entitled... College runners flock to Flagstaff during pandemic. We've got somebody uh, just massively heel striking in this photo, which is uh, I, I enjoy. But the point of the article, we've got Stanford athletes, and they they've they've quoted former NXN champion Liam Anderson. You know he mm. is in amongst his teammates has a has a spot in Flagstaff, and it's just really it's gone from a just a. NAU and professional running town to a lot of athletes are, are in this. And they also have, you know, this transcends just division one. We also have Johns Hopkins athletes in division three training mm -hmm. in there. It says uh, the Johns Hopkins athletes, 14 of the team's 16 freshman runners decided to spend the semester in Northern Arizona. I mean, we're talking about big chunks wow. of teams. Um, I'm curious who is paying for all of this. Is it the athletes? Is it their parents? Is it the school? Surely the school is not paying for this. Um, right. But this is this is quite the story, right? This is uh, you know really taking advantage of the of the whole pandemic situation, the whole um, the online class situation, and I. I you know, I give these athletes credit for, you know, taking their training this seriously and taking advantage of the moment to, to get up to, to a uh, high altitude. I, uh, you know, I, I don't know if this will continue into, into the new year and when this will, how this will go, but I, I thought this was a, this was a neat story. I think the first quote by Liam Anderson is unintentionally hilarious about the relatively low cost of living. Well, yeah, compared to Stanford, anywhere is low cost. <laughs> you can go. They relocated to the moon for the semester, and they really liked the cheap yeah. duplex they were able yeah. to, to score. Yeah. I mean, so maybe that's that's part of it, too, for yeah. a lot of the athletes. Yeah, they're, they were saving money on, on housing because some of the, the, the rent uh, yeah. on their off-campus spots were <laughs> – it was getting a bit pricey. Where would you Where would you go if you could go anywhere to train? If put yourself back in college, Lincoln World. You know, Flagstaff would be a a fair choice, um, but I would want to go somewhere warmer. And I, I'm not going to be worried too much about the altitude. The altitude. I no. You're more I to mean, heat yes, I Yeah. I'm just I'm just looking for for somewhere nice and warm. So you could find me in Southern California if this was something that I would take as seriously, or my parents or college coach would buy into. I just I, I know Johns Hopkins is a great program, but the fact that Division three athletes are doing this mm -hmm. is 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 a pretty big deal. And I don't want to make fun and act like they're not good enough to do this, but 
I mean, where's the cut? Johns Hopkins How good wins do you titles. Win? Johns Hopkins I wins understand. titles. If Gordon was on this podcast, I'm going to speak up because Gordon's not on this podcast as an alum of Johns Hopkins. The women, be serious right now. The women win tit- Let's be clear here. The women win a lot of titles. The men, they may have won a title and they're competitive. Championship program. Sure. Championship program. Men's, women, women doesn't matter. A lot of the weight here. I'm just wondering what's the cutoff? What is the cutoff for how good you have to be to spend a semester in Flagstaff where it's not embarrassing? Like, I know I would oh. have not been good enough to spend a semester in Flagstaff. Um, but I feel Are like- you saying when you drive to- into town, they they check your PRs when you pull into town? I the think sheriff so. Pulls you over? It, it, there's a barrier to entry for, you know, they, they not only ask for <laughs> your ID, how you're going to be paying for this, this Airbnb over this extended period, but also- what division are you running in, and and what are your mm-hmm. what what's your Tifers page? You know that you got to yeah. you got to submit that as well for this because I you know I this is all great and well, but I I, I don't want people just doing this so much and uh, you know taking away the legitimacy of of altitude training if they're not in position to really capitalize on it. Well, that's how you get good is you train at altitude. I'm not an elitist like you. I think uh, people can mm-hmm. can go where they want. Just, it's interesting. I though. Would, um, I was stunned that division three runners are doing this. This is they that well, is uh, that's big yeah. Deal. Certainly the certainly the yeah the fact that it's that expansive is is crazy. Boulder though is making a little bit of a comeback. I've noticed. Mm. Yeah, because Boulder used to be the place back in the nineties, um, and before that, and a little bit after that as well too. And then a lot of the pro groups moved away. But when I was in high school. Boulder was the place that everybody talked about. It obviously helped that CU was so was so good. And there were people training in Flagstaff, but it didn't have as much of a spotlight on it. It seemed like people came from around the world to train mm-hmm. in Boulder. I made one trip out there, and I went to Magnolia Road and ran that too just because I thought it was so oh, wow. cool. Um, it's very hard, by the way. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> and not very scenic. I, 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 I thought it would be – I thought it would be a little bit – I'm sure there's much prettier places to run in in boulder but it wasn't the most scenic spot uh and it was incredibly difficult yeah i think i think this is interesting when they go to flagstaff during the regular year i always wonder man that's a strange way to live your college years now yeah they're division one athletes so they're they're not on the traditional trajectory of other students on campus but even if you stay on campus and you're a division one athlete, your life's going to be a little bit different, but then in, you do just put it into warp speed when you decide to go to a completely different place, take online classes, like you're not getting any of the college experience and maybe they don't, that's not something that's appealing to them, but this is a little different because you're out of school anyway. In a lot of cases, college obviously is not the same. So this actually makes more sense that to me than just the regular, I'm going to train in. I'm going to go train in Flagstaff while all my <laughs> regular uh, classmates are are back in, in the lecture halls. Right. Um, it, it speaks to me that, that, that a lot of athletes and coaches, you know, and we've known the altitude training is helpful for most people when it comes to building aerobic fitness and uh, getting that oxygen up. But, you know, do are these teams – just thinking that NAU and BYU and then on the women's side, maybe New Mexico, um, you know, do they have this considerable advantage because they get to train all, all year? I mean, I, I, yeah. I, I don't know. I, 
this is interesting to me that so many, so many, I mean, it's not a ton of people, but so many people are willing to kind of uproot their life just to go get the, the, uh, not, I don't want to say tiny advantages, but the, the, you know, the little boost of, of extra, you know, of, of thin altitude just to, 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 to move out and, and to do this. I, I, I don't know. I am stunned. If I was going to Stanford, I think I, even if camp, you know, classes were online, I would still kind of want to be in Palo Alto and, and doing that. That's just mm -hmm. me. But um, I, I guess from Anderson's, William Anderson's point of view, yeah, the, the cost is, is significantly lower in flax. I mean, he could, you know, probably take up rent in the, the brownstones in Manhattan and, and those would be <laughs> less expensive than probably his dorm. So um, it's only 4,000 a month guys. Come on, <laughs> let's do it. Yeah, I uh, it, I enjoyed this article because it it clearly went this the 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 writer here clearly went to lengths to you know fully fully emphasize why athletes would want to do this, and uh, didn't want to just say without sourcing that running at high altitudes is excellent for you know didn't want to just make that statement on his own. Just he had to he he. Uh, said this according to active.com which sounds like a made-up website uh that runs uh you never been to active.com no no what no it sounds made like up. a made-up okay well whatever oh that's like a race register it was a race i don't know if it still is but it, when you signed up for a race everything went through active.com at least that's how it used to be back when i ran races i don't know if that's the case now but no it's a it's a real website okay well, according to active.com, running at high altitude decreases the amount of oxygen getting to the muscles. Low atmospheric pressure in the thin air makes the bloodless oxygen rich, the blood less oxygen rich as it travels to the muscles. I'm so mm -hmm. glad that that was included in that, that piece. Um, <laughs> I don't know if it would have, the, the article would have made sense otherwise, if we wouldn't have pointed out to, 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 uh, to do that. Look at or the editor here. Said, Running, running at high altitude is good for training. You could have just accomplished that as much, but you know it does give it a more official look by quoting <laughs> Active.com. Um, Here's what I wonder: he could have, he could have also cited Moving.com or <laughs> or Exercise.org. <laughs> so here's here's what I wonder: suppose the United States did not have a college sport system. Suppose they were like every other country out there where there was just clubs. And if you wanted mm -hmm. to compete in sports, you did it in a club structure, not within a educational system. Where would all these people flock to? Where would all these 18 and 19 year old wide eyed dreamers who wanted to be in the Olympics go? Where would all the clubs be based that you'd assume mm -hmm. would crop up to be able to support this? Now, the blue bloods would still exist. There would still be Bowman track club and people would go to, to Portland to train. Mm -hmm. And there would be still established groups all throughout the country. But I'm guessing a fair share, a fair share of people who were on the cusp, you know, they're not signed by a group, but they want to just take a shot at it. You know, the people right now who, you know, might get a scholarship, but maybe they're the fifth or sixth best person on the team, not the, not the stud, not the NXN champion coming out. I bet they would flock to to Flagstaff in the same way you have all these kids coming out of high school right now, not going to college if they have dreams of being in the tech world and they go to Silicon Valley and they rent a house with 12 other people and they do tech stuff all day 
and Co- they make coding. apps, whatever. They code, they sit and code, or they meet with uh, VC people, whatever it is people do in that industry. <laughs> um, you know, the social network is what they do. I, yeah. it, 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 like you could, you could argue that Flagstaff, if there wasn't collegiate running, Flagstaff would just be overrun with runners between the yeah. ages of 18 all the way up to like, well, through to full, full-throated pro athletes. Yeah, I wonder if like curmudgeonly Flagstaff lifers are getting tired of all these teenagers showing up and, you know, dirtying <laughs> up their trails and whatnot in their short shorts <laughs> and everything. Um, you're right. It's the equivalent of a of a of a tech house, right? And and this mm-hmm. is this is the place you go. It's Flagstaff's not Silicon Valley, it's carbon fiber valley, or it's uh Oh god, oh folks, uh, folks. Oh, yeah. Lincoln Shrike here from the new podcast yeah. studio. <laughs> and that's coming up next after this message. All right. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's, it needs a, it needs a better nickname than just flag. I mean, I, I, I could, I mm-hmm. could, you know, I could be here for something sharper than carbon fiber Valley, but something like that. It's not no, really I a valley it's... in the mountains, but you know, something like that. Yeah. No, no. So they called, there was a desire in California to then name everything Silicon whatever whenever tech companies came to town. So when Venice Beach had Snapchat and a bunch of other tech companies moved in, they called it Silicon Beach. So, you, you know, it was just everything. Every, like they were not original at all with it. Everything was just Silicon this, Silicon, silicon. Yeah. that. And what's the um, – gosh, when I was in BYU, when I was at BYU driving from Salt Lake – to Provo, there was a bunch of tech companies there, and they had a name for it. Ah, Isaac Wood told me this. It wasn't Silicon Slopes. It was something like that. It was something where it was <laughs> – It was uh, it, yeah, it was something with a mountain, and then Silicon, I think, was in the title too. So, I, yeah, I just think it's, I think it's interesting because, again, you would have people still go to pro clubs. But I don't think people – like if you ran – if you got 15th or something at NXN, you wouldn't just give up running. I mean, some of them would, if there was no college system. No. But a lot of them would would, would would keep going. But they would not. They wouldn't get signed by a big group. So they would have to do it mostly on their own. And I think a lot of them would would, would do something like this, where they would try to find a bunch of other people in the same position and then try to run their themselves into a contract. Um, the other part of that, I guess, a lot of them would still want to go to college. So maybe they would want to be near a college, but they would all just enroll in NAU and run on the run on the club system mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it kind of reminds me of have you heard stories about those runs in kenya where they do like these massive fartlek runs and the, like pro people are in it and they just you go until you can't last and you're just trying to impress people that would be kind of cool just a whole bunch of people yeah. storming down the road in flagstaff trying to chase after chess be cool yeah, will there be lingering effects when the pandemic is over? I mean, will people want to stay? You know, their Stanford athletes are so enjoying um, not having to right. give plasma give plasma to pay for their housing every month uh, that they they end up wanting to you know stay. We have uh, we end up having Stanford South. Uh, you know, that's they, they yeah another we, nickname. We 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 
we, you know, we compete for Stanford, but we take private jets to and from Palo Alto, uh, mm-hmm. you know, to, to compete. That's the, uh, we start to get to a point where there's some distinct advantage for these, mm-hmm. these, you know, these higher schools, if they're going to, if they would uh, do that, I don't think we're going to see that, but, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you're going to have a lot of new athletes finding altitude for the first time and how their body responds to it. Um, you know, we could see some, some big gains from some athletes that are finally having the chance to, to get out there and, and, and run at 7,000 feet. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just trying to think of another place that would turn into a, turn into a hot spot. I, I guess, Bol- I guess Boulder as well Boulder too. Yeah. But uh, big bear. I think the out. Al- yeah. Yeah. Altitude would be the initial draw. And then the draw would be, Oh, everybody else is there. I got to go. And then it turns into mm-hmm. a hype house and then mm-hmm. you're, you're all good. Yeah. 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 No, I, is, this is the running equivalent of like the, the TikTok houses, I think right now, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. you got the, the people living in, to, living together, you know, you know, you got to run a certain amount of miles each week to keep your spot in the house. Just like in the TikTok mm-hmm. houses, you got to create, uh, you got to create enough content. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's a big deal. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm excited where, where the future of running is, is going, where all college athletes are going to be taking online classes and, uh, and just flying in and out for meets and going back to their, their cottage and flag stuff. Yeah. No, I, I, we are so used to the American system. It's weird to think that no other country really does it this way at all, mm-hmm. let alone, you know, high school, but especially college with how they align sports in with their, their mm-hmm. academics. Um, it seems like a faraway concept for us, but when there's been an increasing amount of budget cuts, you could see a world where that would be, would be the case, at least for, the you know non-basketball non-football sports mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. sorry i i made it serious you're just talking about a hype house and now we had to we went back to budget cuts <laughs> my apologies you, you yeah. said hype house i was thinking of other nicknames while you were saying that like flagstaff you altitude you no, uh, hype house is the name is the name of it is it the little hype name house. of it it's a it's a, tic- okay. a bunch of tiktok people in la oh yeah yeah yeah, I know. I know yeah. what people listen to this podcast for is to listen to guys in their thirties talk about TikTok. Um, I just like but, the term hype house. I just think it's funny. It like, to me, it's just nothing makes me feel more out of touch than the term hype house. And I like have you ever been it, to a hype so. house? Have I ever been? You know, when have I not been to a hype house? Like, I'm in one right now. Uh, my son's in it. My son is younger than all these these TikTokers, right? So theoretically, he's going to become yeah. more hip than them. They're going to be, that, isn't that cool they're to think of? like those people are going to be out of style when my, yeah. When our kids are like doing the cool stuff when they're like, you know, and then we'll know about it. We won't be AI. And, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, they'll call them lame. Right. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's, I, I could read this uh, page to you, uh, this Wikipedia page about the hype house, but um <laughs> It's described as a collaborative house or a content house. Content house is a great term. Collaborative houses are a phenomenon in the social media world, allowing influencers and content creators to make videos together easily. The hype house is comparable to the vlog squad and team 10, similar collectives of YouTubers. So there you go. Don't need to know any more than that. Um, But I did read, I did read, I, I, 
I did read an actual article about the pe- the kids going to Silicon Valley and basically saying, I'm not going to go to college. I'm going to go right out of high school to Silicon Valley and try to make a career for myself there. And they would live with a bunch of other people who were trying to pursue the same thing. It wasn't a content house, but it was yeah. people chasing their dreams. I mean, I feel like I live in a content house doing this podcast. My wife's kind of an influencer, if I'm being honest. So it's 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 a I, I, I'm you know we're gonna call this the Central Texas hype house uh, over here on Gilmore <laughs> Street and Taylor, because um, there's a you know, I mean, sure we shut down at about eight p.m. and I'm sure that's different mm-hmm. than most hype houses, but it's about as close as you get here in Taylor. Well, looking in your shed there, there's a lot of content behind you. I mean, maybe not the same type of content that they're doing right. on TikTok, but that, there's a lot of stuff created behind you. If people are watching flowtrack.org slash flowtrack podcast, you can see all the artwork that Lincoln's wife has been busy doing while Lincoln just yaps into a right microphone now, so. and writes a couple articles. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. So we're doing good. I think I think when we talk about Hype House, that's the sign that we- uh, Time we, to go. We need to call, call it a day. <laughs> flowtrackpodcast at gmail.com is the email address thanks to everybody for listening and downloading write us an email please thanks to Alon for producing for myself Kevin Sully and my co-host Lincoln Shrike from his content shed in Taylor Texas we'll talk to you guys tomorrow hype shed